Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I thought and I prayed, I said, Lord, if, if we were really to see your majesty and your holiness tonight, we would probably just pass out because... God is an alien, (laughs) and he's not like us, and, uh, but we thank God that he filtered himself in the man Jesus, and this is what Christmas is all about, and so I actually want to talk about tonight angels at Christmas time. Not angels in the outfield, but angels at Christmas time. And uh, what a great word, uh, gifts from heaven, we heard from Pastor on Sunday, and God just did great things. And so tonight, I'm just slowing it down a little bit, and we're going to look at some scriptures and. Uh, give you what the Lord's put on my heart. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Notice 28. The angel came to her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So did Mary see an angel every day? No, it was the first time. And, you know, she wasn't hanging out with angels, having lunch with angels, sitting down, drinking coffee with angels. This was a total surprise. But I can tell you if an angel shows up in your house, something big is getting ready to go down. Verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary to the angel, how is this going to happen? I don't know a man. I'm not married. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. So in the Christmas story, we have this first appearance of an angel. Let's look at Matthew 1.18. The birth of Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a righteous man, not willing to embarrass her, was minded to put her away. That means to divorce her. In those days, when you were engaged to be married before the marriage was consummated, it was as good as being married legally. And Joseph was uh, sort of in a dilemma because this thing that she had told him was almost, first of all, hard to believe, and secondly, too good to be true. And then what do I do about it? Verse 20, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take to thee, marry thy wife. It's all good. It's all legal. That which is conceived of hers of the Holy Ghost, she's not cheated on you. She's not been unfaithful. She will bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And then just quickly, Luke 2, 8. Luke 2, verse 8. There in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the angel gives them this great announcement. And they come to where the Christ child is born and they celebrate and worship. So my Bible study tonight is entitled Angels at Christmas Time. And we see that we have angels appearing to Mary, this nondescript maiden living in Nazareth, a place of no consequence, but chosen by God to become the mother of Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh. And so God is breaking into the world like he never has before or since. And so this angel makes a pretty significant announcement and an explanation. And then to her espoused husband, Joseph, the angel tells him not to hesitate to take Mary, his wife, as he was about to divorce her, the angel assures Joseph that everything is on the up and up. God is up to something big. And you can trust the work of God. And then thirdly, angels appear to the shepherds to announce the birth of Christ. And I don't know if you've ever wondered why shepherds, why these shepherds, I'm not certain that I have the full answer on that question, but I do know that Bethlehem was about four miles out of town of Jerusalem, and Bethlehem was known to be sort of the stockyards, the, the holding place for livestock, and particularly animals that would be used in sacrifice at the temple. And the, uh, the upper crust of Jerusalem didn't want the smell, the odor, the riffraff, everything that goes along with all the animals in their beautiful cities. So they held them just a few miles away in Bethlehem. Of course, shepherds would know well uh, lambs. And of course, Christ would be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. So perhaps there is some... Uh, parallel or insight as to why shepherds would be called to come and worship this Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. 
So angels and Christmas actually go really well together, very nicely. Angels are shiny. They're uh, white. They glisten. They're big. They're glorious. They have magnificent wings. They fly. In fact, some artists situate angels at the nativity. And uh, I don't think they were visible at the, uh, the actual birth of Christ, but perhaps they were there nevertheless. Uh, when my sister Pam and I, and uh, also sister Ellen Tonak, we grew up at our home church in St. Paul, there was a woman by the name of Bernice Chapman who uh, conducted and led us children in a Christmas cantata every year. And the girls wore black skirts and the guys wore black pants. And then we all wore, you know, white, you know, either blouses or shirts. And then we all had these massive red bow ties <laughs> under our chins. And they looked like they came like from the Nutcracker or something. And I still remember, and I know I was eight years old because when we were nine, we moved to our new campus. And this was at the old church. We were lining up and we had our little books, you know. The night the angels sang to the shepherds on the plain, the earth and heavens rang with a sweet and glad refrain. Don't you wish you could have heard it? Glorious night of fame and renown. Glorious night when heaven came down. Christ was born in Bethlehem town. He was born to rule and reign. Sister Ellen, do you remember that tune? <laughs> she just threw me under the bus right there. So there was probably 50 kids, if you can imagine, all of us dressed like that and singing like that. And I remember Doreen Mackey was right in the row in front of me. She must have locked her legs because right in the middle of the performance, whoom, she went down like a two by four. I can still hear the dull thud. And it shut everything down for a few moments. The EMTs, you know, the, the resident medical people took care of her and she just fainted and uh, she was fine. Uh, but here's the point. The night the angels sang, well, that sounds really good, but we don't have any record that the angels actually sang. The Bible says that the angels, you know, declared and spoke and Celebrated, but there is no biblical record that they actually sang. Sort of like another tradition, sorry to break all the Christmas uh, imagery, but wise men did not make it the night that Christ was born. Although artists, you know, they never let theology get in their way. Why let the Bible ruin a good picture, you know? <laughs> so you want the shepherds and the wise men, and, but they were not there till some months later. But here's my question tonight. <clears throat> Why do angels appear to us? And have you ever seen an angel? 
Have you ever seen an angel? Now, we have angels sitting right here. She doesn't count. She doesn't count. We've all seen this angel, but we're not talking about this angel. We're talking about heavenly angels. Uh, perhaps some of you have seen an angel in a dream, in a vision, or perhaps uh, in a moment of uh, emergency. I'm not sure if it was Pastor Nathan or who recently said they came up on an accident or were in an accident and someone said, where did your passenger go? We saw him fly out of the car. They said, well, I had no passenger with me. So we, we understand these things. We believe that there are angels and uh, we also believe that there are fallen angels because the Bible teaches this. But I have never seen an angel. <clears throat> I think I have felt or sensed angels or an angel, but I've never seen an angel. And I guess I'm in pretty good company because Billy Cole one time said that he had never seen an angel. Um, but we know that angels exist. We know that they're ministering spirits. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.14, Therefore angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. So, uh, is there anyone here tonight who, has who is an heir with Jesus Christ? You've inherited salvation through Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits. <coughs> Excuse me. They're ministering spirits who serve or minister to the heirs of salvation. Now, I'm asking the question, what precipitates the appearance of an angel? What has to be going on before an angel shows up? When COVID-19 shut down our church and every other church in town, it was March 15th, 2020, and there was a lot of anxiety. Um, and I still remember coming in here, usually four to 500 people in here on Sunday morning. There was nobody. We had Dr. Larmy and a limited praise team and band, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Justin, myself. We were right over here. We were broadcasting for the first time using an iPhone and an iPad. And they were taped with duct tape on, uh, on uh, microphone stands. It was quite a high-class operation. And, uh, and I was angry. I was, you know, not sinning angry, angry and sin not. Frustrated, disappointed. What is going on? How could this happen? And uh, what's this going to look like? What's this going to feel like? What's going to happen to our church? Because at that time, we didn't know how long we would be shut down and how extensive the, what I would call the overreach of the government would be. And, uh, and so I will tell you, however, and I think Pastor Nathan and Pastor Justin will testify 
that at the first sounding of the first chord of that worship set that we were going to offer to our online church, I'm telling you the presence of God came into this house and I instantly began to weep. Tears just popped out of my eyes. I was not expecting that. I was not anticipating it. In fact, there was a lot of pressure in my head and on my head. I can still remember that. I felt like part of it was demonic. I felt like part of it was this, this uh, COVID-19 demonic spirit that was attacking the church. But at the same time, I felt like there were angels. I felt like angels walked in here. And you couldn't be here and we couldn't gather as a church, but the angel said, okay, we're going to show up and worship and we're going to show up and be here. And I really do feel like I didn't see them. I don't see them. Some of you perhaps do. And I celebrate that. And if you tell me you saw an angel, I will believe you. I will not, uh, you know, look at you funny. Like, uh, you know, you're way too spiritual for me. I will celebrate that, but I will never forget how I felt so supported by the angels of the heavenly host. Now, have you ever wondered why some people have angelic appearances and ministering? And some never do. I really don't know why some people see angels and some don't. I don't know why some have ministry of angels and some never do. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I've heard some people talk about they saw angels and angels came and ministered. And I'm like, I think I'm more spiritual than they are. What's the deal? You know, come on, come on, you know, uh, that's just a human thought that's crossed my mind in the past. It's probably never crossed your mind, but but I'm thinking about this. What is the criteria? What are the minimum requirements before an angel steps on the scene? Well, there is no absolute formula for qualifying for an angelic appearance. Or intervention. We know that angels are created by God. They are spirit beings. They travel faster than the speed of light. They fight. They protect. They deliver messages. As our praise team led us, they worship continually before the throne of God day and night. Angels were created in a moment of time. They never die. They will live throughout eternity. Some in heaven and some in the lake of fire. We don't pray to angels. We don't command angels. There's some theology out there in Christian circles that you know, tells us that, you know, we command angels. There's no Bible for that. There's no scripture for that. That's not our job. That's not our prerogative. That is reserved only for God. Uh, And so we don't command them. We don't worship angels. We don't have relationships with angels. 
But now the book of Hebrews gives us a subtle warning. And this is interesting. Hebrews 13, 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. We probably all know a story. Let me just give you a biblical story. Genesis 18, Abraham is outside. He's minding his own business. Three strangers show up. And Abraham, as a good resident of the East, uh, immediately gets Sarah to start making some nice food. And he wants to detain them and entertain them. And, 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 the, and the, the strangers, one of them says to him, your wife is going to give birth. And she was 89 years old. Abraham was 99. And they've been holding this promise. And that's when the time when Sarah laughed. And, uh, uh, and then uh, they said, we're, we're going now, two of us are going now to Sodom and Gomorrah. And we and the Lord deliberated within himself. He said, this is my friend. Can I bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah without telling my friend? It was interesting. I read that again today. And God is sort of having this debate within himself. I got to tell Abraham. I got to tell him. And so he tells Abraham and and the two angels, two of the angels leave. And the third one is called the Lord, which means it was a theophany. It was a temporary uh, embodiment, a physical, visible embodiment of Yahweh, the, the invisible spirit, spirit. God is a spirit, and that spirit manifested, uh, looked like a man, and uh, conversed with, with Abraham and informed him of what was going on. So, so it, whether or not Abraham recognized them immediately as angels or not, uh, eventually, he was aware of it, and I'm so, I'm sure that he was glad that he entertained them and was kind to them. And so this is an example to us. But I can tell you on the authority and pattern of the Word of God that angels don't show up to have coffee. They don't show up to help you bend over and tie your shoes. Angels show up if something big is going down. Angels show up if God is getting ready to do something new, something special, something powerful, something perhaps never before. Angels are ministering spirits. I can't tell you what it did to me. That Sunday on March the 15th, when I didn't see them, I didn't hear them, but I felt them. I said, Lord, this place is full of angels. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I will tell you that one week later at 5 a.m. in the morning, our pastor had an angelic vision. An angel came to him and said that... Uh, that this pandemic would shut down the church for 60 days, but the church would reopen in 60 days. I don't know if you remember that or not. 
But I thank God. I thank God that we have our pastor, we have people among us that in times of crisis, in times of, of uncertainty, that we can hear a prophetic word, that we can hear a word from heaven. And uh, I, I celebrate that and I thank God for that. So angels don't show up at birthday parties or help you find your dog or help you open up a sticky pickle jar. Uh, they don't help you catch fly balls in the outfield. But angels show up for a kingdom purpose. Angels show up for kingdom emergencies. Angels show up when there's a big deal that's going on. And there's a lot on the line. Uh, angels show up when someone has stepped out or stepped up for God's word, for God's truth. Perhaps someone who needs to be defended. Someone who needs to be identified or celebrated. And I'm going to ask you again, not for a show of hands, but has an angel ever showed up? For you. Probably they have more often than we realize. We have a, uh, a retired, not really, but retired missionary couple, Brother Stephen and Sister Yvonne Nix. Anytime you put yourself in harm's way for the gospel, for a kingdom's sake, you may not see angels, but I promise you they are on guard. They are paying attention. Just like the tomb of the unknown soldier is guarded 24-7, 365, and you better not cross that line. My father was there years ago, back in the 70s, and he said they were watching that, that magnificent pageantry of the soldier marching, and you've all seen it at least, you know, in, on, on video or something. And he said a little boy, like a six-year-old boy, escaped his mother's guardianship and crossed that line. And that soldier stopped in his pace. He said, ma'am, get that child, and pointed his weapon right at a six-year-old boy. I mean, that's how serious they are about that. And if, if this country will guard bones to celebrate and give honor to fallen soldiers, the unknown soldiers, how much more are these angelic beings going to protect God's people when we are engaged, when we are reaching for, when we are, we are doing something for God, we are standing for God, we are standing with God? I believe that if we will stand for God, he will stand for us. If we will stand with God, he will stand with us. Let me give you a Bible example of this. There's a man by the name of Stephen who is not an apostle, but he's a saint in the first century church. And the Bible says that he was ordained to serve tables by the apostles and then he was having miracles, the Bible says, among the people. So Stephen, not a preacher, but a saint. 
is having miracles among the people. I don't know if it was in the course of serving tables or it was in a public setting. I would like to think it was more public than private. And uh, miracles are happening and he gets called in question because he's preaching. And uh, they don't like his miracles. They don't like uh, the... They're really fighting his Holy Spirit. They're really fighting his Jesus inside of him. And so don't take it personal when you're doing kingdom business and kingdom work and you are attacked for it. You are criticized for it. And Stephen is doing the work of the Lord and he's he they rush him in. They hear his message. They accuse him of defaming the temple and Moses and the law and blasphemy and the Bible says that they gnashed on him with their teeth. This is idiomatic language, meaning if we get our hands on him, we are going to stone him. We're taking him out. And the Bible says in the latter part of Acts chapter 7, those that looked on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now when Rhoda came to the door and saw Peter and she went back and said, Peter's at the door. And they said, no, you've seen his angel. Pastor has taught us uh, what he believes, uh, the, the biblical teaching of angel, angelology, <laughs> angelology. And that if Peter had an angel that looks like him, then we all have an angel and it probably looks like you. My poor angel. He stuck with me. But I believe I do have an angel. I've never seen him, but others have. And uh, I thank God. I thank God for that. And you do too, because they minister to the heirs of salvation. Well, I wonder if perhaps Stephen's angel, who looked like him, was right there in line with him, and they actually did see an angel. I don't know. I can't demonstrate that. But here's what I do know. Something big was going down. And Stephen was standing for God. And don't think for one minute that God's going to just ignore him or throw him under the bus or say, well, that was an ill-advised, aggressive move on your part, Stephen. I'm not backing you up. You should have just left that up to the apostles. No, no, no. God is backing him up. In fact, the Bible said that Stephen looked up toward heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right-hand place. Now, here's what's interesting. Psalm 110.1 is the most often quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. And it says, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. So this is situating Jesus in the Old Testament, the Messiah, at the right-hand place. Which is not a literal place because God doesn't have hands just like he doesn't have feathers. The psalmist said, under his feathers... You know, will I trust? Well, God's not a chicken, you know, and he doesn't have feathers. It's idiomatic language. And the right hand place is not a literal place, but it's a place of authority. And it's describing Christ as Messiah and Savior in his mediatorial role. And he's saving and he's redeeming and he's interceding. And he will do that until the trumpet sounds and the church is caught up into heaven. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when he will no longer be at the right-hand place. 
The psalmist said, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. And there's going to come a day when every enemy of God is going to be under the feet of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that at that day, there is going to be a promotion of Jesus Christ. He no longer will be the redeemer. He no longer will be the savior. He will no longer be saving anybody's soul. That day is over and a promotion is coming. And there's only one place for him to go from the right hand place. And that is to the throne. Amen. And that's where John saw him. And he saw one that was sitting on the throne when it was all over. Sometimes he looked like a lion. Sometimes he looked like a lamb. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad he's a lamb today, but he's not going to be a lamb forever. He's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to judge and we're going to judge with him. The nations. The Bible said the saints will do that. Woo. We're a part of something big. And when Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus standing, he wasn't sitting. That makes me. He wasn't sitting at the right hand place. Jesus stood up. Stephen, if you're standing for me, I'm standing. You say, well, then why didn't angels come down and wipe everybody out that was gnashing on him with teeth? And that's not how the kingdom of God works. That's not how Saul of Tarsus was going to be reached. Not with military power, not with angels. Jesus didn't even save himself. He could have called 10,000 angels to save himself. But Stephen was the first martyr who died much like Christ. And... uh, I don't know if you know how they stoned people in those days, but they didn't line them up at a brick wall and start, you know, hurling rocks at them like baseballs. They, they would bind them. They would bind them hand and foot and lay them down. And they would find the biggest men there to lift up the heaviest rocks they could find. And, of course, that part of the world is full of, of stone and rock. And they would literally drop these heavy stones on them, if it crushed their head, if it crushed their internal organs, if it crushed their feet, and and they would bring, the accusers would bring these stones and they would just pile them up until it literally looked like some sort of a a rock-made coffin or or, or a place where someone had been buried. And that person would either die of blood loss, of internal injuries, of head trauma, or from starvation over a period of time. It was a horrific, cruel way to die. But the Bible said when Stephen died, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. It was like the Lord was saying, Stephen, I'm just going to take you right now. And he took him and he fell asleep before he endured all of that horrific suffering. So I'm saying that we probably have visitations of angels more than we realize. But I want you to know that as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, we are going to see an increase of angelic activity. 
you know, Paul and the Lord both said that in the last days when people would cry peace and safety, sudden destruction would come. Why are people going to be crying for peace and safety in the last days? Well, peace will be absent. Peace will be non-existent. Nation rising against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Wars and rumors of wars. And offenses. And we are living in an offended age. We are living in, a, in, a, in an hour where <clears throat> everybody, there's, people are so fragile. There, I said it. So fragile. Can't deal with anything. And offenses coming so easy. And they'll cry for peace and safety. And why? Because there'll be chaos and there'll also be threats. And I don't know how long the church will be here during that season of humanity and the culture crying for peace and safety. But if we are reaching for kingdom stuff, if we are reaching for big things, you can count on angels showing up for you. They will defend you. They will defend the church. They will stand with us because we are standing with God. We are standing for God. I, believe, I, don't, I don't believe the church is going through the tribulation. I just do not believe that. I believe I can prove that the church will not go. You study the wrath language of the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's not for the church. After the church is gone, after the rapture, the landscape of the world changes dramatically. Dramatic change of the landscape. And I don't have time to unpack that tonight. But I'm just saying that like the three Hebrew children who would not bow and they stood for God. And when they were thrown in the fiery furnace, in fact, those who were throwing them in there perished from the heat of the fire. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are bound hand and foot. So if the guys that were throwing them in there were consumed, how did Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego get in there? You guys all in? Well, let's go in. <laughs> I don't know if they hopped in there or how they got in there, but they were in there standing for God. They, they didn't put God in a corner. They didn't say, well, God's going to deliver us from these flames. You're going to see something right now, old King Nebi. You're going to see it. No, no, no. They said our God can deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him. We're still going to live for him. We're still going to stand for him. We're not going to bow at your image. And when the king looked in there, when those three Hebrews stood for him, he stood for them because there was a fourth one in the fire. And that fourth one was like the son of God. Amen. One translation said it was the angel of the Lord. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said. That there was an angel in there with you. And not only did it not destroy them, it did not singe one hair. And it burned the ropes off their hands and their feet. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Wow. So when we stand for God, he will stand for us. Let's stand. What are you reaching for tonight that... You cannot achieve 
by yourself. If it's something big, if it's something bigger than you, God's going to back you up. When we were trying to relocate this church and we weren't doing it to make a name for ourselves, we really felt this is what God wanted. We had the entire consensus of the congregation. And we had cast vision on a Sunday night. It was Memorial Day weekend, I think, 1999. Uh, we had, had commissioned three teams of five each to investigate the future of our church. We came back, reported to each other. The conclusion was a relocation is in our future. And we were a congregation of about 200 people. We had $200,000 that we had raised the last two years. At that time, we were looking at a $2 million project, which eventually stretched to $5 million. How are we going to do this? How are we going to sell this building? Those of you that were at 7020 South Richmond, the end of a dead-end road, tucked away, hard to find, not exactly prime real estate and we presented on Sunday night we prayed two days later I get a knock on my door at the church I open the door gentleman standing there my name is Pastor Ray I'm the pastor of New Hope Bible Church uh, we heard there's a church for sale in this area but we can't seem to find it do you know where it is I said well I've been pastor here for 12 years I I'm pretty familiar with the churches in the neighborhood. I don't know of any church for sale, but it's funny you would mention that. I said, who told you that? He said, well, me and my board, we have a storefront office, and uh, it's right off the sidewalk there in a strip mall, and we're having a board meeting, and we're talking about we need to find a place to worship and buy a church building, and a gentleman walked in and said, are you guys looking for a church building? We said, yes, we are. He said, there's one right over there by Gregory Boulevard and 71st Street. I said, who was it? He said, I don't know. He just stuck his head. He told us where to go. And we wanted to ask him more information. Somebody ran out there and we looked right and left. We couldn't find him. Now, I don't know if you believe God's in the, got a real estate angel agency or not, but I think God sent an angel. Because angels have messages. Angels fight. Angels worship. And angels bring messages. How many believes that? I'm in the book tonight. I know God sent an angel for this church. And if he sent an angel to help us relocate, he's got angels that are going to take care of us. They're going to protect us because we're reaching for big things. We're reaching for revival. We're reaching to touch our city. We're reaching to impact other congregations. We're reaching to impact other churches and believers and sinners and people that are busted and disgusted. And I just believe at Christmas time, God's going to send angels to intervene for us. Let's lift our hands right now and worship the God of angels. Let's worship the God who will stand with us. Somebody cry out to the Lord right now. Somebody that's reaching for something big. Hallelujah. God's going to back you up. He's going to support you. He's going to fight for you. 
If you stand for him, he's going to stand for you. Hallelujah. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He's going to stand with the church. He's going to stand with the church. Oh, oh, Lord, nobody better pick a fight with the church. You'll send angels to fight for us. You'll send angels to defend us. You'll send angels, Lord, to help us, oh God. Lord, when we go through the fire, you will be there. When we pass through the waters, Lord, they will not overcome us. The fire will not consume us. Lord, you will protect us. <laughs> Lord, fight for us, oh God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.